Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome back to the Fit for Duty Tenacity Strength Podcast. Uh, it's been a minute since we've been on, so if you forgot who we are, I am Larry Brown and my co-host Vaughn Atene. Yo, what's up, folks? Yep, we are back after a very, very long um, hiatus. We haven't recorded. When was the last time we recorded something? Is Vaughn there? Been a while. You there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, I can. I can't even tell you, bro. That's how long it's been. Okay. Yeah, I just. Uh, I don't even want to think about it. It was in 2020 for sure, though. Yeah. Um, so what's been going on in uh, your world since? Uh, since the last time we filmed, I know for those that don't know, uh, Vaughn actually is a New York City uh, detective. So I know he's been a little bit busy. So tell us what's been going on. Well, professionally, same old stuff here, you know, um, and, and I say that uh, from the point of view where, you know, things you just you just manage um, what it is that you do for a living. For example, I, I respond to um, what will be considered critical incidents um, and document them. I'm not. I am no longer. It is no longer my. Um, it's no longer my duty to invest a case from beginning to end. I just get cases started and I hand it off to the day shift detectives and I keep it moving. Um, but it's been the same thing here in New York City. New York is crazy as ever. Um, getting crazier by the day and I just you know been managing to keep my head above water and keep sane in a generally insane world that's the long and short of it you know hey do, are y'all getting like increased carjackings like they are in Chicago like Chicago has been off the chain okay so in the city um we have especially in the subways the subways have become basically the narrows for anyone who is familiar with the um, the Batman movies, where the Narrows were was just this haven of crime, or uh, from all my Star Wars people, it's become most where it's just anything goes crazy. People, I don't like to maybe using the term crazy is not exactly uh, politically correct, but you have people with mental disturbances and uh, mental challenges just creating havoc on the ridership in the subways. Um, carjackings, we haven't had a large increase, but just about every other crime you can imagine has increased. Um, they say crime has gone down because of statistics, but these are statistics that have been famously manipulated by the police department. So, you know. That's insane, man. But I'm, I'm, I am very glad that you're safe. So what's going on on the training front? I know we, we, we talk close to every every day you've been switching some things up so tell yeah. us about that a little bit well most most of the times um when i decide to switch things up when it comes to training is because an injury may have popped up a, a nagging um nagging injury flips itself up or whatever and you have to kind of switch switch modes uh sometimes in my case, my ability to recover, because I do work midnight. So, you know, sleep isn't always in, in the amount I would like it to be. So lately with training, um, I've been doing a full upper body split 
and then a full lower body split, which I did for about a month. And then I just recently started introducing um, the push-pull legs uh, training scheme back into things. But I just do push-pull legs. I take a day off, then I do an upper body day, lower body day, then I'll take a day or two off. And it's been, it's been rotating like that for a while now. You know, the meat and potatoes of it, progressive overload, um, that hasn't changed. I've, 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 I've started doing more low volume stuff where I'll only do two work sets and I try to take those two work sets to failure going as heavy as I can. And then the following week or following training session for that body part, I just try to increase either my, my reps or my, or my, um, or my poundage. And then um, I go from there. I'm just trying to keep things as simple as possible for, for me based upon my desires, based upon what I want to do. Um, and a lot of that is not getting a whole lot bigger, just, you know, keeping, keeping in shape and keeping strong. So what about you? Well, first of all, let me ask you now, a lot of people may not know this uh, about Larry, but Larry has been in the world of bodybuilding and the world of reporting on th all things bodybuilding for a very long time now. That's actually how Larry and I met. Um, doing interviews back when I was competing almost a decade ago. So how have things been for you in terms of the epidemic and work and getting your, your, your button um, business going over there where you're at now? First of all, tell people where you are. Okay, so a lot of people know that when I was still, um, when I was still working within the industry of bodybuilding that I uh, lived in Chicago, lived in Chicago, went to school in Chicago. So um, a lot of people don't know that I now live in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, there's a couple of reasons why I live in a very obscure place in the central United States. Uh, but here, uh, training has been actually pretty good. Uh, you know, we're both 40 plus. So having to manage the recovery day to day life, and then being able to still slam it in the gym. Um, it's, it's been interesting from um, kind of an analytical standpoint. So first of all, if people don't know about Vaughn, since he was so nice about uh, kind of introducing me, Vaughn is a retired IFBB pro bodybuilder that has an appearance uh, in the 212 category and won his first and correct me if I'm wrong, two pro shows, right? Yeah, I won both. I won two pro shows back to back. Those were my first two shows as a pro. And which is very difficult to do. Very, very difficult to do. I don't care what class you're in. It's difficult to smash out a win your first couple of times. But back to training. Um, I have a couple of gyms that I go to and they're all 24 hours for the most part, except for one, they kind of go hourly on uh, the weekends, but they're 24 hours throughout the week. Uh, so training hasn't really been disrupted like it was around about March of last year when everyone and their mama was just scared to leave the, scared to leave the house. Um, so it's been good, but kind of managing recovery has been a little bit more difficult than what I expected. Uh, and I, I blame that on uh, my diet, which as you get older will become more paramount to you. Don't think that you will stay in your 20s and 30s forever. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> um, so it's, it's been interesting. Um, For the record, how deep into your 40s are you, Larry? I'm only, I'll be 42 this year. So 
like the drop off hasn't been severe, but it becomes noticeable every year that passes. Case in point, I put 315 on the bar for the first time in well over a year for close grip bench press. Mm -hmm. Now, to to be fair to myself, I haven't ever really done that type of weight for a close grip bench press. But if I was a little bit younger, it wouldn't have been a problem. And the way that my elbows and tendons felt after it, it was only five reps, but it may have well been 15 the way I felt after. Um, so just learning to understand that and I say all of that to say this, learning to understand how to temper my, my enthusiasm for the gym, my enthusiasm for bodybuilding and looking at guys like, oh, James Hollingshead, uh, Ben Chow, uh, who's another, uh, Terrence Ruff, Big, uh, Big Diesel Ruff, uh, seeing all those guys lift heavy weight, I, I cannot equate that to my experience as now a 40 plus bodybuilder. And even the 40 plus bodybuilders, I think we kind of try to hold on to our youth because some of these guys are gassed up to the hilt where they're gonna keel over dead before they're 50. Okay, Larry, that's, um, I was gonna actually interrupt you to bring up that point and I'm glad you brought it up. Um, I don't know if this is something you're gonna wanna put out there, but um, let's talk to me about your current level of enhancement or lack thereof. And then we'll talk about how that factors into age and training. Uh, my level of enhancement is absolutely zero. Uh, I have not taken a pro hormone, a test booster in months. I mean, I, I can't even remember the last time I used anything for the simple fact that like my diet sucks. So I would use that as a crutch just to make gains. I'd rather just focus on the dietary part and go from there. But my level of enhancement is zero. Okay. So that's your level of, of enhancement is actually the same of mine as mine. Now, um, after I stopped competing, um, by just sheer necessity, I had to uh, go on hormone replacement therapy. And a lot of people familiar with the um, hormone replacement therapy modalities will understand um, why that had to be the case. Um, uh, in the last quite a few months, I have not even been doing that. And to that extent, uh, it has had minimal effects on my training because I'm kind of the opposite of you because I used to compete. One of the things that competing will kind of steer you in the direction of is maximizing your nutrition all the time. So I think the only reason why I've been able to kind of stay within a certain parameter of strength is because I have been focused, always been focused on um, good diet practices and good nutrition practices. Well, I'm I'm a coach. I coach people nutritionally. So, you know, um, I kind of kind of walk the walk in term and talk to talk when it comes to nutrition. So enhancement level uh, currently zero and uh, training wise, I have not suffered as much due to not being enhanced versus 
the suffering I've seen the same way you've seen when it comes to age. Now, I'm 45. I just turned 45 in December. And like you said, there, there, there are poundages and weights that I used to kind of play and toy with when I was in my 20s and 30s. And I started late in my 20s. I started when I was about 25, 26 years old, just lifting regularly. And the weights I used to play with in my mid-30s, now that I'm in my mid-40s, um, it's not the same for quite a few reasons, you know, and I kind of don't, I no longer compare myself to A, guys who are much younger than myself, or B, guys who I know have the benefit of um, special supplements and kind of maximize the use of scientific aids to help them achieve their goals. And I think people in general, especially on social media, they need to realize that, that you can't compare your your yourself to other people when everyone is not doing the same thing or people only post their highlights or they only post uh, things that, you know, they want to show people when they are optimized, maximized, or like you said, gassed up beyond the gills. You know, you can't always compare yourself to that. So, you know, I just kind of wanted to put that out there and to kind of highlight what you've been saying about yourself, your level of enhancement, your age, and when it comes to training. Now you bring up a good point and I, and I want your opinion on this. Um, there's, there's, there's sections of people that, that, that coach and they say that we need to stop demonizing food that's, that's bad or, you know, stop propping up on a pedestal food that's good. But inherently we know that there's bad food and that there's good food. What is your take on people saying not to demonize food because food can't be demonized? What, 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 do you, what do you think of that? I, I think the first thing people have to do is they have to look at food as the whole picture. Now, is that food providing you what you need based upon your goals in terms of um, calories, macronutrients, micronutrients? Is are the foods you're eating getting you a step closer to your goals and the amounts that you're eating that food? If you're overeating it and it's preventing you from achieving your goals, or if you're eating foods which don't provide you with the right macronutrient and micronutrient properties to enable your performance, and a lot of times the foods that the answer to that will be no or the answer to that will be like these are bad foods fall into a certain category, and we all know what those foods are the foods that will help you maximize your performance goals usually fall into a another category, the ones that would be deemed good foods. So if you, if you just want to simple, if you just want to simplify things, and I think, I think that's what we need to get back to is kind of simplifying things because social media is filled with studies and people breaking down studies and people misunderstanding studies and people placing such a high emphasis on science and these people are not when it comes to the average consumer of this information these people are not quite educated enough in terms of a formal education or an in-depth understanding of these principles to actually apply it to themselves so whereas uh, i'm going to use um mike Isertel from from um rp strength the man's a phd the man is brilliant the man is uh, people like him alan aragon um, I can go on and on. Even guys like John Meadows, you know, whose education might not be as formal as uh, 
uh, Dr. Mike's, but his understanding of the principles beyond these complex um, theories and complex um, discussions about food and science and how it relates to training and your goals, they can tell you more in depth which foods, how much foods, how in what proportion you should be eating these good foods, bad foods, et cetera. But if you're the average Joe and you perhaps don't have a mind to kind of grasp all of these difficult concepts and apply it to yourself, you will never go wrong with eating the quote good foods in an 80% ratio than you eat the quote, quote bad foods. So if you want to simplify it, put 80 20 split of the things you deem good and bad and you'll be okay. But as far as making a, a, a distinction that certain foods are good and certain foods are bad, a lot of people don't have the, or don't want to get into the, the kind of um, mind frame of, of, of making that distinction when and where should it be made and how it should be made. Because a lot of people don't have the time or energy to put into the complex um, understanding of the nature of, of these things. So to breaking it down for people, you're going to find yourself reaching more people in a positive way than, you know, telling people, no, this, that there's such a, 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 a ambiguity between these distinctions. So here's another question. You bring up uh, studies. Have we outscienced ourselves? 100%. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, the answer to that one real quick, yes, continue. Okay, so um, we've had we've had people from Renaissance periodization come on, and you know, for the record, me and Vaughn aren't against science. I think uh, even to maximize training as an older bodybuilder, older fitness uh, person who may compete or may not compete, you should always have a clear set of goals, and you need to periodize your training to accomplish those goals. But we'll get to back to that in a minute. Um, why have we just overcomplicated the nutrition side so much? Is it because we want to fit in? Is it because uh, it's something cool? Is is I, like what is your take? One of the things I believe leads to that because America is um, such an excessive um, food culture, and we have a, a tremendous. Uh, obesity rate in this country is because of the availability of these quote unquote bad foods. Um, and I say quote unquote, because people know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying inherently all foods are bad. We know that to not be the case, but we know if you eat a certain amount of foods in excessive quantities, it's going to lead to um, weight gain and all the cascade of negative health effects. That is the antithesis of being fit and healthy. So why do we overcomplicate the fitness side of it? Because the the unfit, the unhealthy side of it has been made so easily, so widely accessible, so easy to, so, and it's been done so purposely to sell these foods. So now when it comes to the opposite end of the spectrum, we know how easy it is to get fat and unhealthy. It's not as easy to get from that back to homeostasis or even the opposite side of fit and resilient. So now in trying to get fit, a lot of other factors come into play. Calorie balance, macronutrient balance, micronutrient, uh, uh, micronutrients being introduced in, in, into your diet, food timing, um, which, which foods create, uh, guys trying to grow muscle now, which foods create a better 
a better um, glycogen response, which what amount of protein and carbs elicits a better better um, hypertrophy response in the body? Where does sodium play a role? What does this study say? What, do, do you understand? It, it, it swings in from such a direction of you could just go on autopilot, eat what they show you on TV, and you can get fat to now, how do I become fit and how do I grow muscle and how do I burn fat? And what formula, what breakdown of foods, timing, et cetera, do I need to do that? Now the science of nutrition and food comes into play. And because America is such a culture of extremes, we swing from one extreme to the next. And that's when things get complicated because of science. You know, and um, like I said, we've had Renaissance periodization on um, for, oh, we've had Nick Shaw, we've had Dr. Mike twice, actually. Um, and I'm not singling these guys out but I think it's going to get back to a point, and I hope it gets back to a point where if you're going to have a bag of chips, okay, don't feel guilty about the shit. Like, I had some Lay's the other day. They were my son's Lay's. I shouldn't have ate them. But, um, oh, no, chips. Don't, we, we won't demonize chips because you know what? We understand that there's a time and a place for that. Exactly. There's a time and a place for every food. But I think I, what I want people to do and, I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that we all need to look at how we look and how we feel and see if those foods fit into the grand scheme of things. If you have a slice of pizza and know you won't backslide, then have the slice of pizza. If a slice of pizza leads to an entire pie, well, there's an issue that we need to discuss. Right. Exactly. So, diet is fairly simple. We just keep screwing it up. Well, you know what? I've, I've seen memes that says um, losing weight is losing weight is simple. It is not easy. No, losing weight is really simple. You get in the caloric deficit, you stay there. Now, for each individual, what macronutrient um, ratio do they need to get into a caloric nutrient? Because they may have certain goals, performance goals or physique goals. It's different from the person who just wants to lose weight. If you want to lose weight and you don't care about your muscle composition, um, athletic performance, et cetera. All you got to do is get in, in, in a calorie deficit and you'll lose fat. Now, if you have other goals, you want to be in the gym, you want to look good naked, you want to perform better. Now, macronutrients start to play a role in you, the outcome of how you diet. So while it is simple, it is also not easy because now you have to adhere to your caloric deficit. And now that adherence can have all sorts of implication when it comes to psychology. Some people may get into a, a severe deficit and, and they have a psychology where they have issues binging. Some people may have an, uh, a, a problem with the sorts of foods they have to eat on a regular basis, creates a, 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 a scarcity model in the head where they're like, wow, if, 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 if my, my, if my caloric deficit is best served by not eating X amount of these foods, these like junk foods, because they'll just fill up your calories with empty calories and you better off eating chicken and broccoli to get a better bang for your buck, uh, calorically and, um, macros wise, then all of a sudden they start to think in their heads that shit, this pop tarts, they, they are bad because if I eat 74 grams worth of carbs from pop tarts and for 
all sorts of reasons, I don't have a great metabolism and I need to only eat 150 grams of carbs a day. I just ate half my carbs for the day. So this pop part is bad. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole bunch of other factors that come into play that kind of complicate the simplicity of, of dieting. And that's when it becomes a little bit more, well, what does the science say? And what, and what, does the, what do the experts say? And you, you jump on Instagram and you're bombarded by, um, you know, 5 million people who are experts in 5 million studies they're publishing. And all of a sudden now you start becoming paralyzed and you start developing another set of anxieties and psychological issues behind the what is supposed to be a simple act of dieting. Yep, yep. And, I, and it goes, it goes, it goes for training. Now, I, I, you, you are, you are a coach. You, 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 um, you train guys. You give guys tra online uh, training programs, etc. Tell me how hard it is to convince a person to kind of stick it out, even though when they're not seeing the visible progress of a training program, but you know that it is programmed right and what you have to do to kind of get in their heads to make them stay the course. Oh man, the fact that you called me a coach, everyone's gonna come for me now. <laughs> um, you know, truth be told, I only I only help a couple of guys out. Um, you, you were one. So I got to the point where I'm like, this guy, he knows what he's doing. Um, so when, when I work with people, um, number one, I, I, I only work with some like already physically established people. Right. Because mm -hmm. I feel that me giving a beginner a program, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. They require a little bit more hands-on and they require a little bit more push explanation. Well, why am I doing this? And my friends do this and you have to explain to them. But yeah. guys that I work with, um, one who lives down, uh, I think, uh, I don't, I don't know where his gym is at. I'm probably going to butcher where he's at. I think he's either in Ohio or Kentucky or something like that. Um, He's been in the game for a minute. So I write out a plan. I say, here, follow this for four weeks based off what your physique needs because he sends me pictures. Andrew Vu coaches him, and I send it off to him, and he follows it to a T, and he gets bigger and stronger every every time he sends me in pictures, right? Right. I have another who happens to be a frat brother that lives in Mississippi. He's competed at the North Americans. I said, we got to okay. get thicker in all the right places so he's kind of far out from his show for right now seeing that we just got the calendar out he's also coached by Andrew Vu so I write out his plan based on his weaknesses and I just send it off to him so for the people that I work with I don't need to poke and prod the right the rank beginner is the ones that would have to be poked and prodded and I'm kind of in that situation now with, with another friend who's a power lifter um, they've never done a meet. They've been a basketball player. Their base level of strength is okay, but it's not like super phenomenal. So I'm, I'm being challenged in my own thought process and in my own way of communicating to people that I work with because I have nowhere to go. Like we just need a number on a board because he has a meet coming up at the end of March. We just need a number on the board 
And then once we get that number, then okay, we have something to work from. But now that we have like zero number, it's like, okay, great. So now I, I need to ask them and I should have done this uh, earlier and this kind of segues into the next topic. Um, I should have asked him, what are some numbers you would like to hit at this meet and then go from there? But beginners need to be more poked and prodded, but the guys that I work with, uh, you included, I didn't, I didn't need to do that. Cool. Segue on to the next. Let's segue on to the next topic. I you had a question and you had a question in mind or a topic in mind because um I kind of wanted to move on to things kind of away from bodybuilding and fitness related. So I'll let you have the well, last. Body. Well, That's yeah, the the last one um that I want to talk about is effective communication, and not just effective communication and coaching, but effective communication and social media. So this is going to kind of turn into a into a tangent. Uh, before we move on to our non-bodybuilding related topics. Uh, guys, a yes or no question on Instagram doesn't require a dissertation. <laughs> it does yes. not require yes. you. It, oh. it doesn't. Uh, amen. A, a simple, are you free to work with clients? I don't care about your time. I don't care about how busy you are. It's a yes or no question. If it is a no, then tell the person that is asking that question, no, not at this time, possibly in the future, but my calendar is booked right now. If you have to give out, if you have to type out a long ass caption under a question for IG, then you're probably not as busy as you think you are. <laughs> like, exactly. let's, let's just be completely, completely honest. Um. And I'm not singling anybody out because I've seen many, many a person that, that do this. But I have a short list of people that I would work with nutritionally. Um, you, a friend of mine here in Omaha, Chris Edmonds, Shelby Starnes, um, Justin Harris. And there's a reason why. Because they don't go on IG and give book smart answers to simple shit if you're going to give a lengthy answer know how to condense it and keep it pushing because the first well, thing, the first I thing i kind of save my lengthy explanations for clients because i would have done an intake on them and i will kind of know um all the factors that kind of inform their ask them asking the questions in the first place a random ig comment or whatever I'm kind of wasting my time giving free advice to someone who is not even a client. So, you know, I don't see why people do that either. I, if you just want to go in there for the purpose of general education, educating the public or arguing with people, then you should put that energy into your client. And my thing about like giving out free advice via social media, I have no problem with it, right? Everyone's going to operate a little bit different. Obviously you operate a little bit different than I do. Um, so I have no problem explaining why I'm doing a movement, what I'm trying to hit, what you should try to hit, how you should perform said movement, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's you educating people, and I agree with that, but that's not you responding to a simple question and kind of now getting into the debate side of things with the person who asked that question. 
Exactly. You're not funding this business. So don't like, don't get into it with these people. But that that's all I got. Like, I think people need to learn. I think people need to go by the rule that my journalism professor gave me um, when I was still in school my last year. She said, and I try to apply it, less is best except in two things, love and money. Mm. <laughs> if you got to type out a long, if you got to type out a long ass uh, caption to a question, like just, just don't. Right. Like it, in my eyes, it discredits you. But that's my opinion, though. And you know what it is too. Like I, I, I see a lot of, I see a lot of people who are very, very book smart, very educated, a lot of time and experience dealing with clients. And when I see them get into this rabbit hole of arguing to death, and I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not because I'm in no position to do this. I'm not going to equate the amount of followers you have to your kind of social media cred or your worth as a human being or someone who's asking a question. But when I see someone who has a PhD, quite a large following on uh, social media and has helped quite a few clients, and then I see them arguing with Mr. 100 followers on Instagram about a scientific principle or specific study. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> are you kidding me? Like you could be making content right now. You could be, you could be, you should be better off helping a client, you know, one-on-one -on -one or something. And you're arguing with, you know, some guy who, you know, disagree with your take on a particular study, a particular movement or a particular uh, principle of, of fitness and nutrition. And it just baffles my mind why that's even happening. Yeah, it's man. I could talk about this all day because I <laughs> I just see stuff that makes me so frustrated. And another thing that I hate is that you know a lot of quote unquote elite coaches. Okay, let's just stop right here. Let's just stop mm -hmm. right here. Uh, there's no fucking such thing as an elite coach. I don't. <laughs> get, I no no. You're elite because you know how to give motherfuckers a pro. You got genetically elite people to follow a diet program. <laughs> Think of how fucking stupid that's. I, I know, bro. I, I'm, 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 there are no elite coaches and I'm gonna leave it right there. We'll, we'll pick this back up next time. Cause I, I, I'm going to a children's museum and I don't need to be sweating in there thinking about how people <laughs> consider themselves elite fucking coaches. Segues beautifully into my um, off topic of bodybuilding, fitness, and nutrition training and health into the speed round of questions I kind of want to get into right now. Um, now, we're in the full throes of a, a pandemic, which is worldwide, and it has created um, a situation where a lot of our, I won't even say liberties, because being able to go to a restaurant and sit down and eat isn't a liberty. Do you understand? Our liberties are enumerated in the Constitution of the United States. Um, we have specific inalienable rights, which are guaranteed to us by this document. And guess what? That means they are listed. You could go look up what the list of your rights are. You could look up what, what your rights are in the country, in any specific state. You could see what is legal for you to do and not legal for you to do. My question for you is, at what point in this pandemic do you think it is appropriate for us to stop people from dying by stopping everyone from living? And have we got to the point where we have, in response to the nature of the threat of the pandemic, gone overboard 
and creating prohibitions from people from doing everyday things in in the name of saving people, do you think we have struck a proper balance where things are balanced, your rights are taken away because people are dying? Or do you think it's gone in the opposite directions where too many of our rights have been taken away because people are dying? I think um, we, we're America, so we've gone way overboard. Oh, that's what we do. That's what we, that is That is very much an American thing. We're the land of access, right? You know what I mean? Uh, you go back to Wall Street, uh, back in the day, that movie, greed is good. That's the American way, right? That's so We went greedy on, well, we're saving people. Well, okay. I, I kind of get it. I understand it. Um, we have definitely went overboard in the fact that, like, I have no problem with a mask. If a mask stops transmission or you know, does what it does, even a, even a percentage, I'm fine with, cool, no problem. Um, but we've decimated industries, man. Yes. For the simple fact that instead of the government just saying, hey, we don't know what the hell is going on, we've gone the absolute opposite end and just, they just put out fear, right? So, I can deal with somebody telling me, I don't know what's going on, but in the meantime, take this measure to kind of protect yourself, right? Staying in for how long was a shutdown? Like 30 days? I thought yeah, that they was said 30 days. We're going on, we're going on um, 365 of those 30 days. I, I don't know. I personally thought it was my math isn't the greatest, but uh, I think 365 is a little bit more than 30. And, you know, personally, I think that was, I think that was too fucking much, but like on the other end of the spectrum, um, we have people who have been for uh, the longest period of time saying that this is a scam demic and that this virus is a hoax. It is not real. And that, you know, once again, an extreme, an American extreme, instead of instead of acknowledging that there is a problem and debating the policies that are enacted to resolve that problem, they just go from jump to say, no, there is no problem. It's a scandemic. It's a hoax. This is a plot by the government to take away your rights. And this is fake news. And, you know, it's a whole other level of ignorance that kind of lends itself to us not having a proportional or sane solution to a problem. If you can't even admit there's a problem, there's no way we're going to get past ourselves to solve the problem. And we're seeing that now because a lot of the solutions to the problem are so extreme and so far above what is quite often necessary or appropriate that we just get this feedback loop of, ah, I told you, they're just trying to take away our rights and there is no and there is no disease. Well, 500,000 dead people by the middle of um, March says that there kind of is a disease. And I'm open to what the solution to curbing this disease is 100%. But we still have a large swath of the population who don't believe that this is actually something that's real. And to me, that's absolutely insane. As insane as some of the policies enacted to stop the spread of this disease. Yeah. And like... The proof is out there. Like this, this disease is not fake. Like it's not. 
So the fact that people can even stand up and have the unmitigated gall, the audacity to say after 400,000 people are dead that this is fake is ridiculous. Um, I think in society, we've lost empathy, right? Um, I have shut up on talking about the virus a whole lot because I have my own feelings about it. Ditto. But what I have been telling people, especially with this whole vaccine, um, with the whole vaccine being developed, I've said, okay, do what you got to do to protect your family. Absolutely. I protect your family. You're not, please stop with the whole, you're protecting me. That's bullshit. I don't know you. You don't know me. Get out of, no, we're not even going to go there. You're not protecting me. You don't have a bat symbol on your chest. You're not Wolverine, okay? Your nails may be long, but you ain't Wolverine. Um, you are not protecting me. You are protecting your family. I am putting it out there and people already know how I feel about the vaccine. I will be getting the vaccine when it becomes available to me. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I feel the same way. There are a lot of cops um, who are actually, and I, I, same to, shame to say that there are, are a lot of police officers with large social media followings, I shall name no names, who have been on record as calling this entire thing a scandemic. Um, I don't know how you can be a cop in New York City. I don't know where you work in New York City where you have not responded to these um, COVID DOAs, um, where you have not responded to a hospital where the ER is absolutely packed with COVID patients and that all the wards are full of COVID patients and all the funeral homes are overburdened and they're keeping bodies. I, there was a story here where they were keeping bodies in an unrefrigerated U-Haul truck because the funeral home was just so overwhelmed with COVID deaths. And I don't understand how any cop in the city of New York seeing what we have seen over the last year, like you said, has the audacity to call this a uh, scandemic. To me, that speaks of a privilege and ignorance that is astounded to me, especially someone who serves in law enforcement. But back to the vaccine, a lot of cops um, have refused to get the vaccine because they don't trust the science of it. And to me, that's the problem of the, the scientists and the government kind of making the case for the vaccine, for its, its safety. And um, because they trust in science when it comes to a whole lot of things. I mean, they will post it. They don't trust science about a vaccine from a cell phone that was kind of, you know, Thought about my modern science, which if you would have used a hundred years ago, you'd been burned for being a witch. But you know, everyone has their 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 interpretation of which science they choose to believe in and which science they don't. Um, but for my part, as soon as I'm able to get the vaccine, which by the way, I have to wait 90 days because I I did come down with COVID-19, both my wife and I, and I'm fully recovered from it. But there's no doubt in my mind that when that vaccine becomes available, I'm hundred percent gonna take it because. Listen, and especially in the health community, especially in the bodybuilding world, you've put a lot question, a lot more questionable shit into into your body than a COVID vaccine. Let's keep let's keep it real. Where when it comes, and I'm talking to the bodybuilding fitness community, you worried about injecting a vaccine into you because that shit might make. <laughs> okay, uh, we're talking about a whole lot of bathtub trend and a whole lot of Anavar that's actually D ball, if it's anything at all. You know, but all of a sudden people have issues with the scientific validity of a vaccine that, thank God, they researched it, formulated it, and put it out there quickly. Science, that was a win for science, if you ask me. We had a problem we need to solve, and they got to it. 
Um, so when it comes to the vaccine, I can't tell anybody what to do, what's best for them, what's best for their family. But I can only say a lot of the excuses I'm hearing for not taking it, 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 it verges on conspiracy theory. And it just kind of, it, it makes me sad that these are the options. You know, you're either a conspiracy theorist or you're like a denier or you're a, you're a sheep that, you know, Bill Gates is going to plug a chip into you and, you know, make you a zombie when you rise from the dead with this vaccine. It's sad that that's where we're at in America. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, people worried about microchips. There ain't no microchips and no vaccine because you have a big old cell phone in your back pocket. Yeah, you're posting about microchips and you're sending it to, to Twitter and Instagram from the chief tracking device that we all have. So, you know, you're smarter than everybody else. That's just me. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know. Can I move on to one more one more topic here that's completely not involved with health and bodybuilding and fitness? Yes, please do so. So we're kind of seeing a revolution in the stock market, which I think everyone should kind of get involved in that story because if anything, it'll give you a little bit of insight in what happens in the stock market and how the very rich kind of control things more than you not would. Okay, so a lot of people in society now, they think the government is trying to take over them and they do acknowledge that the rich, rich people like Bill Gates, et cetera, that they have uh, a lot of control over policies, but forever it's been the case that this seat of power has been Wall Street, not Silicon Valley. And a lot of people are now seeing with this situation with Robinhood and with Reddit and with GameStop and AMC stocks that, and all of this um, hedge fund management that there are laws for one set of people that keep people filthy rich. And there are laws that when these laws are challenged all of a sudden it becomes a big deal and something has to be done to curb the same behavior that super rich people engage in every single day. It's funny, man, because, um, so I, I am an Amazon user. I, I'll say it like that. I don't order, my supplements. <laughs> I don't order my supplements from Amazon. We have a local spot here in town, um, by the name of Rexius nutrition that, that, Sir does a really good job on pricing supplements. So I don't order supplements from Amazon. Um, if I can get it locally, I, I go to said store. Like I really don't order books from Amazon. We got a couple of booksellers here that I go to. I am done. And I got into this habit uh, for a little while and I, I just got done. Okay, look, billionaires do not have highly effective work ethic or anything like that when you are a billionaire or when you're a millionaire it becomes a lot more about fucking delegation and hiring people around you to do the hard stuff like yes you're the figurehead everyone looks to you when shit goes down but if you have a well-trained team around you like you really ain't doing shit so like the fact that these billionaires are mad because regular people basically outsmarted they ass is hilarious to me it is absolutely hilarious to me now i don't do the whole eat the rich type of thing even though i kind of do but like how are you mad because you've been telling people for years hey play the stock market hey 
you know, try this, invest, invest your money. And then people are like, okay, well, we'll do this. And now they're mad. Group. And all of a sudden now, because that threatens your ability to keep doing what you're doing in terms of, I'm not going to get into the whole, uh, the technical aspects of what they were doing, because I'm not very familiar with how they were um, betting on options, how they were shorting stocks to make the price of that stock go down. And they betted a higher amount on that stock and made a profit as a result of it. I, it's, it's, it's a long explanation. Someone that you should look into a source that um, better explains it to you than I will. Cause I'm not an, I'm nowhere close to being an expert in stock markets and I, we, we should probably talk to my wife at this point in the segment. Cause she's um, she's a financial industry. Um, she, she, she was educated in and has worked in the financial industry, the exact sort of behavior we're talking about now. She worked for a huge um, uh, brokerage firm, are they a brokerage firm? Yeah. Huge, the second bit largest brokerage firm in Canada um, when she lived in Canada. So my point is, we, li- we now live in a world where because of social media, and this is a good, the good part of social media, we just spent a whole lot of time talking about the bad aspects of social media, where you can get together collectively with a group of people you don't even know, and you can actually enact actual change through your behavior that benefits you. Because that's what they did on Reddit, right? Yes. They, they, they targeted a specific behavior being used by the rich on a daily basis. They said, if we get together, we can actually turn this behavior around to make it work for us, the every, the every man. And they did so. And now we're hearing about Wall Street looking to lobby to ch- make laws to prevent this sort of thing from repeating itself. In other words, you would have to get the Security and Exchange Commission involved a lot of the lo- Wall Street lobbyists who, guess what? They're going to throw money at your local congressional person to pass laws saying that unless you have a brokerage license, you cannot get together with a group of people to do this. That, to me, is a violation of our rights that's coming in the near future that has a direct impact on your wallet. Because if you're now told, once again, that you can't make money a certain way and only the very rich can do it, then... It's not just- the market. Right. Then it's, then it's really not a free market. And that's, that's a whole other conversation we could have. Do we truly have a free market society in this country? Uh, debatable, debatable, but that's, that's, that's all of my topics for the non-bodybuilding and fitness related industry. Um, hopefully we'll touch on a little bit more of these topics as we go along in the rest of the podcast that we have coming up uh, very shortly. Yeah, these are these are very, very, uh, you know, important topics because, uh, you know, a lot of bodybuilders like we're not stupid. Um, a lot of us uh, are investors. And a lot of us are, you know, have 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 um, side gigs. A lot of us um, do invest. A lot of us um, do have come to finally realize that, um, you know, um, we need to be a little bit more involved and pay attention to these things. And, you know, you see, I, I'm seeing that a lot and I'm encouraged by it in this industry, you know, our life doesn't revolve around. It's a big part of our life, but it doesn't revolve around how much a dumbbell weighs and how many grams of protein we eat on a day. Exactly. It should definitely be it. We, we, we as bodybuilders, we have a very limited window on what we can accomplish, right? So we definitely need to worry about our regular health, our mental health, especially our financial health, because we've seen 
ultra rich people don't want us with money. Like we can make a couple of grand, but when we're talking millions of dollars, it's a right. straight middle finger to us. Right. So on that note, uh, this was fun. I enjoyed this. So did I. We touched a lot of topics and um, we're going to continue to do that in um, the next series of podcasts we put out. I think we're going to try to bang out at least a couple of weeks uh, from now on to kind of catch up with things and um, forward to more content from us because, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot to be said. And if sometimes I feel like if not me, then who? And, and guys, we what we want to do is that um, this is a holistic podcast too, like everything in the gym will go well if everything outside the gym goes well. So expect us to talk about things outside of the gym as well. Like we'll obviously speak about bodybuilding, uh, general fitness and all that, but like things about money, life, stress management, like expect those type of guests on um, and expect those type of topic discussions to come up. So like we're, 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 we're not gonna get into the gossip side of things that like me and him are old, we ain't got time for it. So there you go. There you go. But on that note, Vaughn, you got anything planned today? Um, yeah, I got an MRI of both of my janky knees planned. Um, and I expect when those results are available, my doctor's going to look at me and be like, LOL, bro, the F are you doing? And that's all I got planned for the day. And then I got to go to work later on tonight. Well, I'm on my way to a children's museum here and I'm going to let him get tuckered out so he can take his nap and I can eat. I still haven't eaten yet. So muscle wasting 101. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You got to shrivel away. Yeah. But on that note, guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, this will be the first and hopefully a long line of a relevant podcast. And uh, we hope you get some value from it. So uh, for Vaughn, my name is Larry, and we will catch you on the flip side. Y'all have a good one.